Welcome to the Jonah Carey Podcast, friends. Thank you so much for tuning in to the show. It's a great show this week because Dave Damashek is on. Dave is a good friend, has been for years, and has appeared on every iteration of this podcast going da- back to the Jurassic era. He is uh, fantastic, funny as hell, uh, knowledgeable, sweet guy. Just it, It's a pleasure to talk to him. And uh, it's a football podcast for a part of it. Dave works for the NFL Network, and I'm back watching football. Uh, and so I figured that it would be fun to chat now that I actually have some knowledge and can speak about things knowledgeably. Uh, about everything from this ridiculous roughing the passer's scourge to Fitz Magic, which is like my favorite thing in sports right now, that this 36-year-old Harvard dude is now dressing like I can't even describe it after eviscerating opponents uh, with shirt unbuttoned to the navel and giant reflector shades and gold chains. and I don't even know. It's amazing. It's uh, As Dave says, it's good to have fun in sports, and uh, Fitz Magic is a lot of fun. So and this podcast is a lot of fun. There's also talk of uh, hockey since I moved back to Canada. I'm trying to figure out how to reacclimate myself as a hockey fan, especially since my hometown team absolutely stinks and will for the next several decades. And uh, also like a 15, 20-minute conversation about fruit, which is exactly what you get with the Damashek experience. We get into it. What's going to be the fruit of the year? How are we feeling about different fruits this year? This is very important stuff. This is key content. You need to get on this. Uh, you need to be subscribing to the Joe Carey podcast to get the latest hot takes on the best fruits, obviously. So uh, seriously, though, pleasure to talk to Dave. Always a lot of fun. I think you'll enjoy it too. Uh, and I'm very excited. His um, longtime podcast, which went away for seven years, is back. Dave's of Thunder, that's Dave Damashek and uh, Dave Feeney. Go subscribe to that. Check out the Damashek football program on NFL Network. And uh, heck, just Google Dave Damashek and see what the hell he's up to. He's he's so great. Really talented. Really, really great. Uh, and yeah, quick programming notes. I wrote a fun piece this week at CBS Sports about pinch runners. I am all in on pinch runners. Give me more Terrence Gore. I want designated pinch runners. I want guys who do nothing but pinch run. I think that teams uh, have gone crazy with these 97-man bullpens. I would love to see teams focus more on things like pinch running and trying to steal runs late in games. Uh, kudos to the Cubs for picking up Gore, but I think there's more to be done, and I hope that it happens in the future. And I hope that if rosters ever do expand, it's not just to add another damn relief pitcher because enough of this already. There's no Matt Stairses anymore. There's no pinch runners anymore. I am a curmudgeon, I guess. I miss it. I miss having benches. I miss having strategy. I miss all that stuff where it was more than just a backup catcher and some other dude who can play six positions but isn't good at any of them. It'd be nice to see all that. And uh, also, I will have a piece coming out this week at sportsnet.ca. You can check me out on TV uh, on Sportsnet here in Canada. And, of course, on CBS HQ, go to cbssports.com. And at the bottom of the page, you'll find HQ. And you can click on that and check out baseball commentary from me and football commentary from Will Brinson and Pete Prisco and basketball and college football and all that good stuff. It's a lot of fun. You can also check it out on the CBS Sports app if you've got, like, Roku or Apple TV or whatever. Uh, any OTT device will do it. It's uh, really worth it. A lot of fun. 24-hour news and analysis at CBS Sports HQ. Thank you. And also fun is this week's edition of the Joe and Carrie podcast. It is with my good friend Dave Damashek, and I sure hope you enjoy it. Yeah. 
it's so exciting to me that I get the opportunity, because it is my podcast, to invite anybody I want on the podcast. And I've had some illustrious guests over the years. But there's nobody more illustrious, and there's nobody more fun, and there's nobody more OG to the Jonah Carey podcast in its 75,000 iterations than my good friend, the maestro of the NFL Network, the man who has a fa- his own face in the cafeteria of the NFL Network to indicate his love for soup, the man who is an empath, a gentleman, a funny man, a vaudevillian, a renaissance man, the man of men, David Damashek. How are you, sir? Oh, my goodness. What a ridiculous, uh, <laughs> completely unreasonable uh, list you just read off there. You know, maybe a third of those things are true. I appreciate it, nevertheless. And I also don't think I you buried right at the top there. Don't think I miss you. said, it's great to me that I can invite whoever I want as though the invite that you extended to me went against somebody's wishes. What, what's that about? Like, I don't care if you like it because it's my show. Well, who, who's pushing back at that? Leave it to you to be overwhelmed by the compliment, but also turn it into an insult. I love it. That's perfect. That's exactly why. Well, well let's be honest. It was a, it was a list of lies you just read off to, to, uh, to, it was you deflecting. Know, make me feel good about myself. That's yeah. right. That's right. It was the defl- listen. We're Jews. We have to be neurotic. We're going to fixate on the negative. Absolutely. All right. Listen, if you want, this guy's a jerk, but he's <laughs> he's all I got today. So I guess listen, if you want that, that could have been your intro. That would have been more sincere. But. So first of all, <laughs> so I, here here's what I'm going to lead with. I'm watching the NFL this year. I haven't really sat down and watched football, you know, on a regular basis in like seven years. I, there was a period of about five years where I think I watched two games. One of them was the Broncos Super Bowl, and the other one was I was at Drew McGarry's house, and he had, like, the Cardinals and the Redskins on TV after I did a podcast with him, and so we sat and watched it for ten minutes, and it was – I think Carson Palmer got intersected six times in the ten minutes we were watching. So, all right. But here I am. Back side note, side note. Side that note. was one of my favorite uh, – one of my favorite conversations I've heard Thank in uh, the podcast uh, medium in some time. That was a great – you had dinner with us. Yes. Kids were around. You talked about it all. It was a uh, two uh, two of the more enjoyable people in the media. It was fun to listen to you two kibitz back and forth. Thank you. Well, I appreciate that, and I think that you know one of the things about being on with somebody that you know, and I know Drew a little bit, not as well as I know you, but you can get real and you can talk about family and fears and ambitions and all that stuff, and it is a lot of fun. And he's very open about all that. His writing is phenomenal, and he's really great. So that was really a lot of fun. Um, but anyway, so I am watching the NFL, and there's a lot of good stuff that I want to get to, and there is one negative in particular that I want to get to. The first good hmm. thing that I want to get to is I spent time watching the Steelers and Chiefs this week. Unfortunately, it didn't go the way of your team, but it was a wildly entertaining game. And before we get to the fact that the Chiefs might be the most fun football team, I don't know, ever, maybe the Rams of the late 90s could compare, let's mm-hmm. talk about the fact that if God exists, there is no question that God made it his mission to put on this earth a very talented football player for the Pittsburgh Steelers whose name is Juju. There's Like, this was specifically intelligent design geared towards you that you can have this electric talent who has a really fun personality whose name is literally Juju. It's the best Juju. The best. Happy high holidays, good yunt of Juju. <laughs> They, 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 they went from having no Jews to two Jews on the team. It is so exciting. 
and I love it, and that's a lot of fun. But how- I know it's a big it's a big make good for because uh, Pete when people said go Juju like when I was growing up they meant that in a very different way than the Steelers fans mean it towards Smith Schuster. But yes, it, it's it's absolutely true. So let's talk about the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, who have to be one of the most engaging stories of the season. And I can remember I was I think I was talking to Brinson about this. We were talking about who might be Super Bowl teams this year. And he brought up the Eagles again. He brought up the Pats. And he brought up the Chiefs. And I can remember saying to him, the Chiefs have a great offense. They play no defense at all. They can't win. There's no way. And it might be that it's irrelevant. They actually could just outscore everybody. And it doesn't matter. I mean, Roethlisberger, you know, Jesse James went for a buck 38. It's not like the Chiefs aren't going to take their lumps. But they're going to score every time they touch the ball. I mean, it's... I, I really am trying to think, are they better offensively than any of these Brady teams? Do we have to go 99 Rams to really stack them up? It's two weeks, but man, oh man, this is some fun stuff. People, when they do, usually when they're like, when there's another person who, or when a guy sounds like himself, but he's saying things you never hear, they always say like, is this the evil twin of Jonah Carey? Nay, this is the better version of Jonah <laughs> Carey. Talking about NFL football. Let's do Look it. at this. This is the best. Um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, there are guys in the NFL, obviously, if you're one of the 32 human beings tabbed to play quarterback in the NFL, it goes without saying that you're going to have a, uh, a plus arm. And there are guys within those ranks that really have that kind of, that kind of like, uh, you know, rifle attached to their right shoulder. Yeah. And Joe Flacco comes to mind and Cam Newton comes to mind, Stafford, Roethlisberger. These guys can sling it, but only Aaron Rodgers compares from what I've seen in my, in the last 20 years or so, and maybe ever. I don't think I've ever seen anybody who has such an easy release and that's everything. And you think like, how much can, you know, you're more of a math guy than I am by, by a lot, but hmm. I mean, that point two seconds that you get from the time that most quarterbacks from Joe Flacco to pick their Russell Wilson or anybody else to get that ball up to their ear and release it versus that easy flick. Like all of a sudden, like the ball just sort of like flies out of their body almost, you know, they make a decision and the ball's out and it's on a rope and it's effortless (coughs) and it, it's stunning to look at. You can see, I always say back at when the Steelers played, the Packers in Super Bowl 45. Uh, rather, I've talked to a lot of Steelers who said this, and I confirmed this with those guys, the guys who were out there who had never seen Rodgers until that night. And you could see on their faces that when he would throw the ball by them, they would get a bead on the ball, like, I'm going to pick this ball off or I'm going to knock this ball down. And it was one of those like, whoa, whoa, the ball got by me. How did it get by me that fast? What happened there? Mm-hmm. They've never seen that kind of quality the ball moves faster. It zips even more than they're used to seeing. Um, and, and, and that's the case with Patrick Mahomes, which is maybe a overly specific, but, um, you put him with Andy Reid and in a world that is filled with alleged quarterback gurus and offensive wizards and QB whispers and all that. Andy Reid is the real deal with that. You know, some guys thrive because they get into the right situation with the right quarterback in the right season, and then they ride that as an offensive coordinator or head coach for the next decade. Um, 
in Andy Reid's case, go back through his 20 years or whatever it is in the league or the, you know, about 20 years. Every QB who he works with succeeds, whether it's Donovan McNabb or AJ Feely. I mean, he made Alex Smith. Alex Smith, yes, was doing well in San Francisco because that's what he, he was with Jim Harbaugh for a little while there. But Alex Smith was at his best with Andy Reid and, and, you know, so it shouldn't be a complete stunner unless you're uh, people who are our age or older. I bet if you're 20, this isn't a stunner to see a, a rookie or a second year guy come into the league and take it over. But we, a lot of us still, whether we accept it or not, we still have it knocking around in the back of our head. Wait, isn't a quarterback supposed to sit for like three yeah. or five years before? Wait, how can, how can he do this? He's just a rookie. This is 21st century football. These guys are so trained up. They're, they're, um, you know, training with understanding the game and then, uh, you know, improving their arm and, and, and reading defenses and everything else starts at a much younger age. By the time they're getting to college, they're, uh, you know, they're entrenched in pro style offenses or vice versa as, as NFL coordinators more and more are using stuff that you see in college. Either way, these guys are taking it over, but you know, to your point, Patrick Mahomes, I mean, who would you have in three over the last three years before him? Jimmy Garoppolo, Sam Darnold. Uh, you know, there no. there's some talented youngsters out there, but Mahomes right now um seems seems like the the most uh you know raw talent of anybody out there. That arm is I mean, like I say, even in the NFL, that arm talent is rare. It's a lot of fun. And one thing I talked about with Brinson as well was this idea of, and it's really happened in every sport. Hockey very much has gone this way too. Speed rules. You know, we would always talk about yeah. speed, but it would be speed, but maybe we can have power too. And what if I can get a 265 pound middle linebacker? We, the conversation ended up being a conversation about uh, Brian Urlacher. That's what Brinson and I talked about. Brian huh. Ur- where is Brian Ur- Brian Urlacher is like a nose tackle in today's game almost. It's just, you don't see this anymore. The Chiefs offense personifies this. You know, Dwayne Bow played not that long ago. Dwayne Bow is a monster compared to these tiny little Tyreek Hill types who are running all around the field. And that's just how it is. And now defenses have to gear up that way and offenses have to gear up that way. And it'll be interesting to see when some team decides to zig while others zag. Now, Jacksonville's arguably doing this. They're playing Smash Mouth. Although as soon as Fournette gets injured... Blake Bortles goes nuts and looks like he's better than Tom Brady. And they're running, they're just doing whatever they want with, you know, no-name wide receivers and he's doing whatever he wants. And you say with the Giants, you know, to some extent, they're sort of playing smash mouth, except not really. It's just that they have a lousy line and they have a supernaturally talented running back. For the most part, this is the game that it is. And this is going to bring me into my next point, which is a negative about the NFL. This is the one complaint that I have. So... We're in this era now where it's a lot of fun. Points are up in the first two weeks. So fun to watch teams like the Chiefs. There's a lot going on. And we're trying to protect against concussions and injuries. That is the scourge of the NFL. It's a scourge. You don't want human beings to get hurt, and you don't want Aaron Rodgers to be on the bench because it's bad for your product. Super duper. However, I saw the Clay Matthews quote-unquote hit, and I was so angry. How angry was I? Very angry. 
Because <laughs> Kirk Cousins releases the ball. It's a wounded duck. The ball's intercepted and the game's over. I am not rooting for anybody. I haven't bet the spread. I didn't have any Packers or Vikings on my fantasy team. But the injustice of you could see Matthews move his head to the side, open his arms, extend, and basically ask Kirk Cousins to dance by dipping him from the waist. It was the most courteous tackle I have ever witnessed in my life. And they called a penalty. And when they first threw the flag, I thought maybe it's pass interference. Something happened. And then they said roughing the passer. And I can vividly remember Cousins throwing the ball. I said, show a replay. They show a replay. I'm like, what are you doing? And I get it. You know, there's replay in baseball. At first, we're like, well, they're missing calls. Then replay happens. It's taking too long. And it's just going to iron out the kinks or whatever. But are they going to iron out the kinks, or is this just going to be everybody gets to throw for 500 yards every week because, God forbid, you breathe on the guy, you get a lifetime suspension? Well, I mean, you know, how it's going to play out going forward, I, I don't have an answer about that, but I'm with you on the Clay Matthews hit specifically. I mean, the the you say the the you're looking at the part as he gets to Cousins, I, the thing that I'm uh, more focused on, like you say, is he drops him to the ground. You can see him, you know, listen, it's, you know, it's uh, not like he, uh, he held him off the ground, but he literally did. It didn't, it seem like he was trying to let him down to the ground as yes! gently as he could. He slowed down. That he's he slowed a, down. Doesn't it feel that way? I don't, I, I mean, what are you supposed to do? I really don't know. And everybody makes the same the same crack every time about, oh, put a dress on him or whatever. Like, I oh, just take, I, I mean, really, what are you supposed to do? Yeah. And what makes it even crazier is that we're now in a time where half the QBs in the league, um, one of their chief virtues is that they can run around. Now you're adding that to the mix too, because now you have to slow down as the quarterback is running with the ball over the line of scrimmage. <laughs> like, how hard do I go at him here? Cause it, I mean, these are superhuman. Um, these people have superhuman physical attributes, yeah. but they can't, they, they, they don't have, uh, you know, they don't have a pause button on themselves. Once their momentum gets going in a direction, they can't suddenly stop that from ha- a collision from happening. And in the meantime, as they get to a guy, the, the QB's head could lower by, five inches and that's enough for him to be a villain and thrown from the game because he delivered a headshot and of course we've now long since understood since Tom Brady was put out by Bernard Pollard in the first Pollard in the first game yeah. uh, of the season uh whatever that was uh nine years or so ago um we you don't go at their knees either so real and so Clay Matthews did everything right he didn't hit him in the head, nope. didn't hit him in the knees, nope. hit him right in the middle, didn't throw his weight onto nope. him. What was wrong with that? I get, and the league is now saying that, yeah, we're going to use that as a teaching example of what you're not supposed to do. Oh what my you God. That you're not supposed to do. I don't know what you show. <laughs> I really don't know. I don't know. I, I don't have an answer to it because while I'm with you a hundred percent, and most human beings are until it impacts your team. And I don't hold that against you in the moment that you're emotional about your team. Yeah. And when a call goes against you, you get fired up. But generally speaking, um, everybody understand you don't want human beings having severe head trauma no. for your pleasure. Um, well, I mean, that's uh, some percentage of the population probably likes that. But anyway, um, 
I, we, you, you get that, but I, I guess, you know, if you think about it in these terms, in the last five years, has there been progress made? I guess so. I guess so. Are guys, some teams or some, are, do you see guys tackling a little bit better than they did five years ago? Are you seeing as many, uh, those brutal over the middle yeah. collisions head to head? I guess it's going down and I guess that's what you point to, but, in the meantime, this, this, uh, this, this is a, an unpleasant, um, time on, on that level to be a fan because the scoring is so, you know, um, uh, pinball machine fun and everything. But that, that wild card of like, wait, are they going to screw this one up every time you see guys get hit hard is a distraction from the game. And it's, and, and it's, uh, you know, it, it, uh, it obviously detracts from the game. But yeah, uh, bottom line is I just, uh, uh, spun my wheels there for five minutes for you to say <laughs> I agree and I don't know what the fix is to it. Well, and and to, just to double down on your point about superhuman athletes, so I'm 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 back in. I'm watching this sport, okay, and I like watching Von Miller as much as I like watching Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown gets to be a superhuman athlete. He's allowed to do whatever he, wants. he can catch the ball. He can run with the ball. Von Miller cannot. That is crazy. What I will go even further. Mr. Damashek, I will say that if this trend continues, and I don't know, we're in the you know early stages, and maybe this will get ironed out. But if this continues for four or five or six years, kids who are playing pee wee football are gonna be like, I'm not gonna play corner, or maybe a better example is I'm not gonna be a linebacker. I'm gonna be a tight end or a bulky wide receiver because what is the point? I am a villain according to the eyes of football. I'm supposed hmm. to lay the wood. No, no, no. I'll just, and everybody will go play offense. And I think the talent of defensive players could actually go down. People will be disincentivized to want to play defense because you won't know what you're doing. When one is confused in one's existence, that is a hard existence to live, whether you're an accountant or a DN. So I think that you could actually go to extremes here and say, this could be deleterious to the sport as a whole, not just the aesthetics of it. Boy, carry, carry getting heavy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now I hear you, but for, but my counter to that, the broad counter to that is that kids aren't going to play peewee football at all. The more and more people learn, the more and more pe- parents learn well, yeah. about how damaging it can be, the less people are going to be allowed to play football. I think that's the real motivation to fix this now is for the next generation. And, you know, it's funny you say that because about uh, changing positions, because uh, one of the guys I work with, Daniel Jeremiah, he's, you know, he's now, uh, you know, our, I, I think our mutual friend, Matt Money Smith, yeah. um, calling the Los Angeles Chargers games. He's now the analyst on there with him and he's a scout. And he said, you know, uh, six, seven years ago, he started advising guys who would have been running backs in a previous generation to instead play defensive back because huh. there's more money to be made. As a, uh, as a cover corner, because as the game starts to throw the ball around more and more, the more valuable a cover corner is. And, and instead of taking the physical beating that a running back, uh, takes and in what is also what was skewing towards a diminished role for those guys in the amount of money you would make that the, the, the so-called shutdown corner, the value of that guy was going through the roof. So I, I guess there's an ebb and th- a flow to it. Some years it feels like. The offense is winning. This feels like a pretty steady run for the offensive teams in the league. And where we are right now is, you're right, is with the, although, you know, in two weeks, I was just about to say that 
in 20 in the 21st century, Belichick, as usual, kind of leads the way with the right philosophy, even when you looked at usual defensive metrics about eight, 10 years ago. You would look at it and you would say, man, how are the Patriots still winning games? They have like the 30th ranked Eve. Oh, they have the 32nd, oh, the yeah. 28th. They're so bad because Belichick figured it out a little more quickly than <laughs> most other people did, which is that in the 21st century, given the rules, given the uptick in passing, um, that it's not a matter of doing what the, you know, the 1976 Steelers did, which was just, you know, take all the oxygen away from their foes and just smother them and allow them to score maybe nine points a game. That's just not a possibility anymore. Even when the Seahawks were at their best, they weren't completely smothering teams. It's more a matter of taking the ball away. You need dynamic players who are going to make two or three decisive plays in the game, turn the other team over and give you back the ball. That's what the Patriots were doing. That's why, that, in hindsight, made sense. Wait, why are they the 31st-ranked defense? They can't win a Super Bowl with that. Yes, they can, and it's not just because of Tom Brady. It's because they had those playmakers on defense. Now, that being said, it's not just the Jags this year. The Bears' front seven looks, I mean, oh, you know, maybe we'll talent. look. They're a lot of fun. That was crazy. Yeah. I mean, and by the way, to your point about Von Miller versus Antonio Brown, that is fun to watch, I think. You know, it's if you have Russell Wilson, which I did, uh playing at on my fantasy team, it wasn't much fun. Yeah. But outside of that, when you see that kind of pass rush unleashed, you know, you think and you think about the eighty five Bears, yeah. Um, and, and how they would get after it. But, you know, this year though, there are Clowney and Watt haven't gotten rolling yet, but you expect that that'll How happen. about Watt's brother? Yeah, exactly. He's looked great uh, in, in a season that's Aaron so Donald, far been frustrating. there's a lot of great linemen right now. Yeah, um, which is weird by the fact, I mean, you know, what are the Chargers thinking? You have two, you have TJ Watt and JJ Watt are the guy's brothers and, and you don't even put them in on defense. If it was, if Deion Sanders could go and catch passes on offense, then surely JJ and TJ Watt's younger brother can go and play a little linebacker here and there. It's, it's the right thing to do, yes. Chargers. Expand your minds. <laughs> um, but yeah, there, but, but yeah, it is interesting because it does feel to me like there are a few potentially dominant defenses out there trying to hold back these, uh, these insane offenses. And, you know, think about, where it starts to, where it's starting to get murky too is, and I don't love this trend. I don't love the trend that it's about the coach and I don't want it to turn into that. But Doug Peterson is the reason the Eagles won the Super Bowl along huh. with their pass rush yeah. more than Nick Foles was, you know? Yeah. And I, and I feel like if you have a clever guy who knows how to X and O, yes, I'm, I, I'm not trying to marginalize that and take away uh, the merit in the, in the guy who figures that out. But I, I'm a little uncomfortable if it if it skews that way. Who's got the uh, the the genius uh, OC, and that's the team that's going to go deep into the playoffs. And I say that primarily because I'm a Steelers fan, and uh, so far raw talent doesn't seem to be the reason. <laughs> it doesn't seem right. to be enough to just win games. In fact, uh, all it does is frustrate me, frustrate me, and fear that uh, the Steelers stars are about to get Thanos. By their own hand. <laughs> He's not going to snap his fingers. They're snapping their fingers. They're trying to get out of Pittsburgh. They're fading away like uh, like uh, 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 McFly, like Marty McFly's siblings oh, in, in the uh, photograph. 
I know you get it. You get it. Right. The fa- listen, Thanos and Marty McFly. It's it's a, that's a that's a strong one. Uh, no, and to your point, <laughs> I you know the Nick Saban, Mike Shashevsky, let's all deify these dudes, and and to the point that the media will defer to them or whatever. I don't want to see that. You know, I don't want. Doug it's Peterson no fun, that. right? It's not like fun. if you're it's about why, players. Why that's why that's more fun. It, it's a fairly obvious reason if you think about it. Is I went to Indiana University while Bob Knight was there. Um, and in hindsight, I have some, uh, I have some different opinions on, uh, the, uh, genuflection that he got. But at the time, it was a lot of fun to be around. And again, I feel maybe a little bit guilty about uh, supporting somebody who was baldly a bully using his position of power to, to, uh, to, you know, to hurt other people. But anyway, now let's not get, uh, I don't want to get up on Mount Pius about, uh, Coach <laughs> Knight right now. But anyway, um, yeah, the, the reason that that works in the college environment is because the kids are, are transitioning. They're there yeah. for one to four years if you're lucky. But as a fan, you want to identify with more than just the uniform and the coach is always there. And if you're a Duke fan, you love Coach K. And if you're a Hoosier fan of a certain age, you love Bob Knight and so on. And Nick Saban, obviously, an all-time legend down there. And so it goes. But in, in the NFL, it feels like you don't want, or any other pro league, you want the, the stars to be the stars of the league. You don't want it to hinge on this coach. I, 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 for some reason, I find that unsatisfying, as I say. So you, uh, your friend, Mr. Jeremiah brought up a good point. I want to circle back to this and we have a, such a good launching point because you are a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. So we're talking about running backs and the fungibility of running backs. Saquon Barkley gets drafted number two. Saquon Barkley's a wildly entertaining player. Charismatic. Good looking. He's probably going to have 20,000 combined yards in his career. Fantastic. And people are like, how could you take this guy? You're so stupid. 20,000 yards, that sucks. We would have never said that about Eric Dickerson or Barry Sanders or whatever. But because the game is the way that it is, it's a pass-heavy game. And now it's Jonah Carey, who turns 44 the day after this podcast airs. And Oh. Th- yes, well, I don't know why I'm throwing that in. But anyway, he could be as good a running back as Le'Veon Bell, because why not? We have a good old line, and who cares? We're going to put this guy in. We like his upright running style and the fact that he runs the 40 in 32 minutes. No problem. He's just as good. And I'm wondering... Is this, are we going too far with this fungibility thing? I'm watching James Conner. He looks really good. Maybe the Steelers truly don't need Le'Veon Bell. Maybe no running back should get a real contract after his rookie contract because there's miles on his odometer and because there's 30 more dudes lining up. Or maybe we're going too far. Come on, man. Saquon Barkley's a superstar and pay the guy. Where do you stand on all this, particularly as a Steelers guy with a front row seat to all this that's going on? Um, I have many, many thoughts on uh, this subject. First of all, you need to keep in mind, again, the aforementioned ebb and flow of pro football yes. and any uh, any sport that you've been following for 40 years. Uh, there, there are changes throughout, um, you know, it, it's because I, I always I always say the same thing. How can it be so hard? For in a, on a planet with seven billion people, how can it be so hard? Quarterback NFL quarterback is so hard that we can't identify thirty-two people to do it successfully. Maybe it's too hard then. And all of a sudden, if you look at it, as I'm belly aching about that, and you see everybody's obsession, we got to get our franchise QB. 
if you look around, most teams have gotten it now. Most teams have their franchise QB. And now you're just keeping up with the Joneses. But then you have to pay them when their second contract comes up. Their their expectancy, if they're good, is, you know, 12, 15 years or more. The running back, if he gets the usage you would expect from your feature back, he's probably, because of the bigger, faster, stronger element, is going to, not just because he is, what's interesting is physiologically, um, and we've seen that any number of times from Shaquille O'Neal, Mario Lemieux, or anybody else, Rob Gronkowski, Mark Bavaro, the big dude is the one who has the most attrition. You would think it would be yeah. the other way around. It's a paradox because you think, well, that guy, Earl Campbell's killing guys out. He's hammering guys. Yeah, he's the one who was uh, used up after six years. Yeah. Um, and so I so and by the way, those guys quarterbacks now are everything. You have to have a good quarterback, Joe Flacco and Nick Foles notwithstanding. You have to have a good quarterback if you want to be playoff relevant uh, perennially. If you remember, though, you might be a little too young to remember. But in the 70s, more often than not, the the the, the real star of the team was the running back. That's mm. changed now. And a lot of it does have to do with, even, uh, again, there's a fair amount of irony in that because Billy Sims, the great Oklahoma running back, who in his fourth year, great with Detroit, one of my yeah. favorite guys to ever watch run, Hurt his knee, and that was it. It was. It wasn't like, well, he's going to need a year to get back up. No, it was over. It was like, well, your career's over. You hurt your knee. You can't play. That was in the eighties. That one. Now guys are like, I might be back before the end of the year. Don't uh, count me yeah. yet. Yeah. And yet those guys are used up more quickly than uh, just about um, than than almost uh, than ever. Um, and you know. To your point, I get what you're saying about James Conner. That's a product of the Steelers having a good offensive line. Correct. That's, I mean, that, that's the wrinkle. Can you, can, you know, most NFL quarterbacks, back to my point that these guys are all reasonably talented at this point. And in fact, I use another movie analogy, but not a specific one, um, for you is if you go see a movie in 2018, Right now, even if it's not very good and the script is crummy and whatever, it still is a better movie than even a good movie for the most part from 25 years ago because the production values are so slick now. It looks better and your eye has adjusted to it. So the idea that quarterbacks, they're the worst ever. No, they're way better than the quarterbacks of the 70s were. And a lot of that has to do with the rules. But I just went through it to prove a point. Um, just today I was, I was, I was going through this, um, with, uh, with, with some people I work with to make that point. And half the guys in the NFL in, in 1978, the year they expanded the passing rules to make them more favorable to the offense, the quarterbacks who started, uh, threw more interceptions than they did, uh, touchdowns wow. over the course of the wow. season. Fran Tarkenton threw 32. <laughs> Ken Stabler threw 30. Those guys are in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. They're in the Hall of Fame and they threw 30. If you did that now, it would be a punchline for the rest of the franchise's history for the fan base. Remember when our guy threw 25 interceptions? He never was allowed back into an NFL locker room. <laughs> Instead, they put these guys into the Hall of Fame for that kind of stuff. It's very different. Um, they were that, you know, they were there to, uh, they were there as a delivery mechanism to get the ball to the running back and uh, let him run. Now, 
Levy, James Conner's going to play well and Levy and Bell's going to play well against uh, a high end offensive, uh, behind a high end yeah. offensive line. The difference is, and I don't see a ton of evidence that there's a running back out there who thrives despite his bad offensive line. Saquon Barkley. You know? and, so yeah, far. Is he, but did we call that thriving? Well, he, he caught do, 14 way, balls, but it was for 80 yards. So I don't know. I guess he did catch all those dump off passes, yeah. uh, on Sunday. Well, Cause Eli Manning can't go more than five yards downfield, but anyway. Yeah, it, it, it's, uh, I find it a fascinating, uh, topic legitimately, um, uh, that, um, the way these quarterbacks, uh, you know, the, I mean, how many quarterbacks now, like you would say eight years ago, five years ago, like go through the teams in the NFL and uh, you weren't watching then. So, so, but, so you'll have to take my word for it. But like, yeah, there were like uh, 12 or 15 good quarterbacks in the NFL. I yeah. tried to count, like it was hard to get to 10. The guys would be like, yeah, I think that guy's good enough to win a Super Bowl on a halfway decent team. And it counted up to 10. Now you can make a case for like 20, 25 guys. Only oh, yeah. a few teams have bum QBs. Um, and that's keeping up with the Joneses. And I guess now for like my fourth irony of this uh, monologue, um, <laughs> is, that maybe having one of those special, one of those actually rare commodities who is a difference-making running back is what will separate because everybody now has a good quarterback. Mm. So now, like gold, what do you want? You want the thing that's rare, and that's a running back who can do it all on all three downs for you. Uh, that's, I like all that. All right, so we're going to talk about special quarterbacks. So we've mentioned Mahomes. We've talked about Aaron Rodgers. talked about all these guys, and, of course, we're forgetting – the current best quarterback in the league. And I'm talking about the man who comes out with a shirt unbuttoned to his navel. And I'm talking about the man who comes out with the beard that Jesus would say, buddy, that's a little too much beard. And I'm talking about the man <laughs> with the sunglasses where Christina Aguilera would be like, that's a lot of sunglasses. And I'm talking about the Harvard-educated man. And I'm talking about the man who is probably going to make – arguably the most reviled quarterback in the league, irrelevant. I'm talking about the man that Deshaun Jackson is willing to give a kidney for at this point. I am talking about Mr. Fitzmagic himself, Ryan Fitzpatrick. There are stories going on in the NFL. The Browns almost won twice, but then they didn't. The Chiefs are a lot of fun. But Ryan Fitzmagic, at age 36, playing like Joe Montana is, is a mere pittance is quite something. And here's my favorite part of Ryan Fitzpatrick, and this will tell you how much attention I'm paying to the NFL this year, which is quite a bit. The last time that you had a performance like this two in a row in the NFL was Billy Volek. And if we're going to invoke Billy Volek, wow. 400 yards for two weeks in a row, it was not Brady and it was not Marino, it was Billy Volek. And this leads me to think this is either <laughs> going to be the greatest storyline of all time or this guy's Billy Volek. And the volatility and range of outcomes here is almost more fun than if Fitzmagic was actually going to throw 60 touchdown passes this year. I love Boy, the I fact love that, that nobody knows what's going to happen with this guy. I am obsessed with this. By the way, Billy Volek in the League of Leagues is currently a free uh, Billy Volek. Right? Fitzpatrick is currently a free agent because still nobody believes in this guy. Do you believe yeah. in Fitzmagic? Can the Bucks go 14-2 and two this year? I mean, you gotta expect that that's the case. First of all, my main takeaway is legitimately is, do you see leagues 
remember this. All professional leagues, when you try to take fun away, ask yourself why you're doing it. Look at this story. Yes. This is the greatest. the greatest. It doesn't have to do with what his Billy Volek-like numbers. It has to do with what he did in the postgame, how he looked in the postgame. Oh, yes. Listen, lighten up, everybody. It, 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 can't we have fun? This is nice. That's my main, that was my main thought. Terrific. In fact, like, it's one of those things, whenever some serious news event happens, I'm always surprised by how much coverage it gets. Like, oh, I didn't know that this was going to be worthy of like wall to wall news coverage on every channel. Um, I, I was kind of my reaction, like, oh, this Fitzpatrick thing's that big. And I'm like, oh, yes, people are so fun deprived at this point. <laughs> that they're so stunned it's that true. somebody would do something like that, that it's so delightful that everybody has to jump all over it. And, uh, and it is, um, to answer your question, I mean, listen, what, <laughs> what in Ryan Fitzpatrick's career would lead you to believe? I'm sorry to be a curmudgeon. No, I that, know. <laughs> that this is sustainable. I mean, it's not sustainable. Um, but oh, you know, listen, it, uh, you know, it is fun. And so therefore I hope it continues. I just hope it takes one week off on Monday night football against the Steelers. Cause I don't think I can stomach another week of the melodrama on the banks of the three rivers. Uh, of that team being 0-2 and 1 with the Ravens coming to town on Sunday night. So I'm going to root against Fitz Magic just for 60 minutes. After that, I'm back on board with him because he's uh, Captain Fun in my book. Yeah, and it's interesting too because you talked about James Conner and the O-line. The Bucks significantly upgraded their O-line in the offseason. It is the case that the receivers are very talented. You know, Godwin the Kid is pretty good in addition to Jackson and Evans. O.J. Howard, we know he's a great talent. They don't even bother trying to run the ball. They're just saying, okay, come get us. And because you can't breathe on the quarterback because Fitzmagic is so damn crafty with his Harvard education. I don't know. Maybe, you know, maybe you could just put a guy back there and system really does play more than we think. And yes, <laughs> although Rodgers and Mahomes and all that, that's great. But maybe system can make an ordinary guy. Listen, Foles won the Super Bowl. He won the Super Nick Bowl. Nick Foles beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl. All bets are off now. All assumptions. Everybody says no one knows anything. Well, it turns out no one knows anything. How did that happen? Nick Foles won the Super Bowl. <laughs> Everything, every narrative that has come out of my mouth in the last 20 years has, has, has now been voided. I, I, I'm, I'm a fraud. The only thing that keeps me warm is that everyone else is the same level of fraud. Uh, I mean, that, that was inexplicable that Nick Foles didn't just do that, but he also won the other two games before that. Not that he was good in those games, but either way, they still took care of it. They beat Belichick and the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Impossible. Um, yeah, maybe you're right about that. that. I do think that one thing, you know, it, it's the least, uh, I talk about having fun and everything else, the least sexy conversation you can have is offensive line and line of scrimmage yeah. play. But as it turns out, if you really try to cobble together a list, and I've talked uh, with our mutual pal Brinson about this, I've talked to a number of guys in the league about this, that, what, you know, everybody, oh, I got to have that. You know, like everybody, you, you, you want a bonafide number one receiver. You know, everybody talks, oh, got to have that. Got to have that running back, that uh, every down back. People always are using hyperbolic phrasing about what you got to have, you know. But as it turns out, one of the things that one of the few things that you actually have to have if you look at the teams that have gotten two and won Super Bowls over the last 15 years is you need depth 
and quality on both of the sides of the line of scrimmage with very few exceptions. Because, like I say, the guys in the league now, whereas maybe it wasn't true 20 years ago, quarterbacks just weren't that good on, on, on some teams. Now most teams have a decent guy back there. And it comes down to, um, can they keep them clean? The biggest factor to me, when people talk about the Cowboys not having a good year um, this season, we'll see what happens with them. But, you know, a, a big piece, Travis Frederick, is out for them. They're, yeah. they're great center. So that kind of blows up the, 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 the quality of the offensive line to a great degree. But, you know, the idea that, well, Dak Prescott, who's he going to throw it to this year? Uh, guys who are fast, who are, you know, a bunch yeah. of guys who run four fours and four fives and, and, uh, and those guys, they have Zeke Elliott on the team and they have a good defense. Well, the, the key factor for Dak Prescott is, are, is his offensive line going to keep the other team off of him? That decides how well a quarterback plays more than any other factor, in my opinion, more than who his receivers are, who his head coach is. Uh, you know, what kind of dome or outdoor stadium he plays in. I really think that if you look at that offensive line, Aaron Rodgers is an exception to that. Ben Roethlisberger in the first half of his career, first two thirds of his career could overcome a crummy offensive line. And Russell Wilson, I thought could, but if you watch the game on Monday night football, oh maybe there's, maybe pass rushes can be too good to, to let him get going. Cause that looked, uh, that looked sad. That was hard to watch, uh, Russell Wilson look so human, not be able to sort of spin out of those plays just as soon as the ball got to him. There were, uh, two bears crushing him. And I feel like the O-line receiver point is underscored by let's go back to the Jaguars. Their receivers are Keelan Cole, DD Westbrook, and Dante Moncrief. Granted, Keelan Cole made one of the coolest catches I've ever seen in my life, but these guys don't exactly have bona fides and pedigrees, but the Jags O-line is awesome and Blake Bortles is going to throw the ball and those guys are going to catch it and that's the end of that and they all look great. They look like Rice and Taylor and whoever. I don't know, Brian Brennan. Yep. Pick another 80s receiver. <laughs> I ran out of guys. <laughs> we're going deep. There you we're, go. going, we're going Brown's third receivers in 1985. Um, okay, so that's a, a pretty good summation where we're at with football. I like all this. I want to save room in every Damashek podcast for some other stuff. Um, and I want to talk fruit with you. So ah. here, here's the thing. So for people who've never listened to you on this podcast or have not heard your podcast before, you're a big believer in fruit. You get, you have, you get behind it. Narratives are built. Uh, sides are taken. Rivalries are fashion. Now I should point out, um, that my wife Amy is not a fruit aficionado. She is, has hmm. a very narrow fruit stream. She likes cantaloupe. She likes apples. There's not much else. Now, when you are in Canada, and I moved back to Canada after 20 years away, you're not going to get the same produce that you do, let's say, in California. You're just not. You can import it, but it's on a truck for a while. I get it. I understand that. But there's still a lot to be done, and the hyper-local trend has arrived here, too. And you get to August or early September, and like the regional peach trend, if you're in South Carolina. Heck, I lived in Colorado. Those Palisade peaches are some of the best things that I've ever had. So now I have a whole different perspective on fruit, which is that it's a more precious commodity. It is more limited. I live with somebody who sees the limitations of fruit. I need you to build it up for me from where you live in southern, sunny Southern California and remind me of the virtues of having the panoply of fruit 
and tell me what's up and coming. Tell me what I'm missing in the frozen tundra up here that maybe I need to travel for to get. Well, I, I, I guess this is uh, sort of good news then for you because, uh, the bad news for society is, you know, and maybe as the, um, you know, uh, you know, whereas the, you know, the Emmys were handed out uh, the other night yes. and the Oscars get handed out, you know, for the movies and, you know, I hand out uh, my awards for everything else at the end of every calendar <laughs> year. And the granddaddy of them all has been fruit of the year. And, and, you know, as a result, um, you know, I've, I've really, to your point about the quality of fruit for 12 months, you know, when I was growing up, you couldn't get a good watermelon, but three months a year. Yes. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Now you can get a, a nice watermelon 10 months a year. But I think I celebrated that. And, 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 and given my powerful voice, I think the word spread a little too far and it reached Big Peach. And, <laughs> it, it, and uh, you know, I mean, pineapples have stayed nice, but like, you know, there have been certain fruits out there that I was really, really, you know, uh, celebrating and I feel frankly like peach has stopped working out as much and, uh, wow. you know, has gotten a little doughy and thinks that because it's won two Shecky awards, the white peach, I'm looking at you specifically, you've won a couple of Shecky awards over the last, uh, six, seven years and not just last year, but now in the 2018, you just haven't shown up and it's not my way to do this. I try to be a fair minded, objective referee with all these categories but I, I rarely do this but i felt a message needed to be delivered sternly and strongly to all the fruits out there i announced on adam carolla's show two weeks ago and it, we were barely at labor day peach you're out you're not <sighs> you're not even in the running anymore. oh my god What's going to happen now? What's going to happen between now and Christmas that's going to turn me around on the white peach? You're out. You 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 play games with me. You think you can you you, you think you can uh, give me that kind of uh or that, that kind of sass? Guess what? I'm the one in charge. Sit down. You're benched, Peach. Now, I have had some very nice uh red seedless grapes and mm-hmm. uh they won 2 years ago and that was really a political statement on my part because you know, the aforementioned watermelon is so large. You know, it's a, it, it, it's a behemoth. Yes. And, you know, what, how, how can the red seedless grape stack up against that answer? It can't by itself, but when it comes together with his pals, it can accomplish anything. Mm. And at a time in 2016, when I felt like, um, just past the November elections, I felt our society needed to pick me up to see what we could do. <laughs> If we would, uh, unite. And, uh, so I, I paid homage to the grape and uh, hopefully it sent a message to society that hasn't quite been heard just yet. But, uh, but you know, perhaps in time it will be. Um, I also, uh, was just talking with a couple of people, um, at, uh, at lunchtime today about, you know, I, I and in fact, I reached out to uh, to the scientists over there at uh, Jolly Rancher who, you know, <laughs> for the most part, have done some great work yes. over the years. But I became aware recently that they stopped making you. I mean, I, you know, cut my you know, I mean, uh, do as I say, don't do. I mean, uh, I'm a hypocrite here. So yes. do as I do and don't as I say, whatever. I got point you. is they stopped making their peach Jolly Rancher. Whoa. They don't do it anymore. And so I reached out to them because I thought it was delicious because it tastes like an optimal peach. 
Um, and I reached out to them about that and, and they informed me that, uh, yeah, there's, you know, people aren't into it as much. Then they slapped me across the face when they said, but you should try our grape flavor now. It's great. And I thought that was an outrage. Um, because, or is it to be celebrated? You tell me. Yes. The grape as a candy is the furthest away in flavor from the fruit that it's intended to represent. True or false? I think that the, I think we can agree on that. That one, is right? entirely true, but I appreciate them on two different levels. To me, if it's not a natural grape, we might as well be talking about fun dip at this point. Let's go as far away from nature as possible and just appreciate the fact that somebody created a really good synthetic flavor, but also that a really nice green or red seedless grape can taste delicious. Those two things. True, but, but, but. Yes. But what's fascinating about that scientist who cooked up that grape flavor. Yes. Went the extra mile. And I don't know how he seduced his competition into joining him in this or even why he did. But at some point, everyone who makes fruit candy, grape flavor candy, agreed, yep, that's the taste. It's not a grape <laughs> flavor, but it all tastes the same. <laughs> Similarly, isn't it fascinating that in the world of fruit, there are, there, there is a preponderance of red fruits at watermelon, strawberry, yeah. cherry, raspberry, and so it goes. And somebody realized, you know, the candy makers, fine, you know, you're not going to change what nature's up to, but at least in the man-made, man-made fair, you know, we have too much red here and we, they need to stand out a little bit better. So somebody came up with the idea of let's go blue raspberry. Mm. But how did everybody? How did the fruit, how did the candy makers of the world all agree at all? I mean, everybody, let's make raspberry blue and nobody ever looked back. Everybody, everybody's got blue raspberry. Why, why did they draw the short straw? Did they line <laughs> them all up? What happened? Isn't that, I, 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 my, I, I, I remain slack jawed about that. How did it happen? How did these things go down? Did they just like all the candy makers? Uh, I, 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 the Willy Wonka and, uh, and Nestle and whoever else, they all just put their heads together. Like, I'll do it if you do it. You know, you know, I, I, I really, I think again, back to my point of five minutes ago, it shows you what unity can achieve, you know? Well, first of all, when it comes to grape and why there was unanimity on this thing, this is obviously the Homer Simpson effect. He was once talking about fruit and he said, purple's a fruit and that's it. Grape is just purple. Purple has become a fruit, and that's the end of that. So, yeah, I, I, I'm totally, you know, this all tracks, this all makes sense to me. And I, furthermore, I'll say this, Mr. Damashek, at a time when the Oscars and the Emmys and politics and all these places are pushing for diversity, and it's been such an uphill battle, here you are taking a stand and saying, White Peach, no! We will not have homogeneity on one side of the fruit racial equation, we will expand our horizons and make it a true meritocracy, irrespective of your skin color. I salute you for that. Boy, that's uh, boy, that's nice of you to get it. You know, a lot of people <laughs> don't get it, but you do. Um, I, I will say, but you know what's funny too is about the flavor thing uh, with Jolly Rancher. They uh, tweeted at me recently too because I was belly aching again about the lack of peach in the lineup. And I said, now, I mean, I still green apple is your runaway champion of Jolly Rancher flavors. Good, yes. 
um, until you bring back the, the peach one. And, uh, I said, but it's, it's sad because you're depriving the green apple of the competition needed to really hmm. become a true iconic legend for all of time. I, you know, I, I, I drew the analogy for them that, you know, it's, you know, the green apple is Frazier to Peach's Ali. I don't know that they really, uh, knew what I was saying there, but, but anyway, um, I think you do. And we need to bring Peach back because cherry, delicious, but it's more utilitarian. It's a steady eddy in your Jolly Rancher lineup, but is it enough to really take down? I guess, again, I guess we saw the Eagles beat the Patriots. And so I guess cherry <laughs> has a shot. At uh, the Green Apple. Watermelon I, I, Jolly I Rancher say, is the Nick Foles of Jolly Ranchers. Something like that. Yeah, <laughs> right. Something like that. But either way, about the real Green Apple, in a world that has, I, I, I'm baffled by <coughs> when I see people eating an actual Green Apple. Yes. I feel like in a world that has red apples, that if you're eating a green one, you have self-esteem issues, that you feel you're not worthy of a, of a better apple. Why would he, why would, who chooses the green one when the red's sitting there? So That's I will weird. tell you, I will tell you, I, I agree with you, the red apples, particularly, um, honey crisp apples. Honey crisp apples are, are pretty elite, mm-hmm. tough to beat. Yeah. I've had now had Quebec honey crisp apples. I've now had California. Doesn't matter where they come from. They're all great. But what I was going to say was, it becomes sort of like the fun dip versus real grapes thing where it's a context issue. So one thing that my parents used to do when I was growing up, they loved to eat green apples. But you know what they did? They would cut little slices of green apple and then they would take Cracker Barrel aged cheddar and they would eat it oh. together. And it wasn't that the green apple was better than the red apple. It was that the tartness of the green apple complemented another flavor. This to me is like Triscuits versus Wheat Thins. I think Triscuits are vile. They're like, I don't even know, they're sawdust. But so many people like Triscuits. Why do they like Triscuits? Because it is a good delivery system for other things, arguably a better delivery system than Wheat Thins, which objectively obviously tastes better than Triscuits. But people are hedging their wagon to Triscuits based on, well, I can have brie or I can put jam. All those things are true, so I have come to respect the Triscuit point of view, even though it tastes like ass. I get it. So I think that from that standpoint... It's about the versatility of the product. You can't have watermelon with cheese. That's gross. You, there's a lot of fruit that you can't do that with. But with the green apple in particular, having witnessed that at a young age as formative years, I understand where that's going for. So if you just have the apple and you're standing on the street and eating a piece of fruit, you got to go Honeycrisp. But if you're sitting down and you got your spread and you got people over and you're watching Downton Abbey or whatever whatever it is that people do when they're eating green apples. <laughs> then I guess I can understand from that point of view. I think in my old age, I'm just becoming more accepting of people's range of tastes and more willing to understand that it might not be for me, but I get where you're coming from. Yeah. I mean, I like the spirit of that, but of course, you know, in my gut that I, uh, I can't sign off on that. That would be lying to myself. Uh, that uh, I, I I do have to hold other people to to my high standards, and um, as far as that goes, yeah, I'm conflicted. I hear you. You know that feels like a lobbyist though somehow got Trisket positioned <laughs> with the in the you know. But then again, we celebrate like that guy's a good fit for that offense. Yeah. Like I don't think he would do it. So I admire that, but I also believe I'm also a pedigree snob. And I also believe in celebrating uh, the people who deserve it, not the hangers on. 
And as a result, it's the same thing for me. I hear you, but I, it, it, first of all, you can put a nice little, uh, cinnamon sugar on, on your red apple. And, uh, and when you get back from cloud nine, you can thank me. Um, <laughs> but also, you know, I, I've been speaking out recently against one of the great lies perpetrated against society. Uh, I, I don't even know when it started. You know, everybody, what, what's the, what's the most expensive single, uh, thing you can order at a restaurant? It's a lobster. You know, lobsters. Oh, it's a, that, that's living. That, that says you've made it. If you're in a fancy restaurant and you don't even ask how much does it cost? Cause it's going to be a fortune, but you need that lobster because it's so delicious and, and kings eat it and presidents eat it and whatever and fancy people eat lobster. You know, uh, you know why it tastes good? Cause you dipped it in drawn butter. You know what tastes good in drawn butter besides lobster? Everything, Everything tastes good dipped in drawn <laughs> butter. Why are we celebrating lobster? What did lobster do? Why well, how did how did lobster dupe so many people? All these fancy chefs that are all over celebrity chefs, not one of them can figure this out. It's the drawn butter, dummies. Well, it's a bug. It's a water bug that we've decided to eat. And I know it's also gross too on that level, right? Yeah, it's trafe. I mean, we could get into it. I don't know if that matters, but yeah, no, I understand that. I appreciate that, and I, I, I get where that is. So I, I, I think that makes sense. And the way that people form their tastes is largely based on peer pressure and whatever. You know, like I, it's the same thing with caviar. I can, okay, if you like caviar, that's fine. You're dropping a buck fifty for a spoonful of that thing. I, I, it's salty. Okay, I, I guess it's rare. I don't. Because something is rare, it's good. I, I don't know. I don't, I like chicken. Maybe chicken should be more expensive. I'm not really sure. This is very difficult to, to break down. All right. So I have one more thing that I want to get into with you because I know you're a busy man. You got things to do. I've already talked about football. I'm trying to get back into football. And, uh, I also want to get back into hockey. And the reason I want to get back into mm. hockey it's because I've moved back to Montreal. It's more difficult to flip on the TV and, oh, hockey's on if you're in Denver or Los Angeles or whatever. You have to have the package. You have to have this. You have to have that. In Montreal, you can't it's, – it's impossible. You can't get away from it. If it's not the Habs, you can pick up the Jets on Hockey Night in Canada, whatever. It's always there. No problem. Now, my challenge is that the Habs are the most ridiculous sports franchise in the history of planet Earth. They're terrible. Everything they do is bad. Mark Bergevin is a clown. Everything seems to revolve. I don't even know what their process is. Let's trade PK for a bag of nuts. Let's trade Galchenyuk for garbage. The Pacioretty trade, I was shocked because I was like, oh, that might not be that bad a trade. Actually, Tatar and, and this guy is Suzuki and a second rounder. Okay, like I could at least make a case for that. If your team is so stupid that you make a trade and it might be okay and you're celebrating, that's a bad sign. So I've moved back here. Tickets are $900 to a team that's going to be terrible for God knows how long. Carrie Price is going to wither on the vine or become a Maple Leaf and win a cup. That's even worse. I don't like any of that stuff. But I want to like hockey. I'm going to have access to hockey. It's going to be here. I liked hockey growing up. I got away from it. I never disliked hockey. But I want to be hardcore about it while also having a team that sucks. This is very difficult for you because the Pittsburgh Penguins have been good almost uninterrupted for 30 years. So I don't even know if you're equipped to answer this question, but I'll ask it anyway. How can I really, really get into a sport when the only team that now represents my hometown that's left, there's no Expos, there's no NBA, there's no anything like that, is terribly bad? How do I become a real big hockey fan and loathe my favorite team at the same time? 
Wow, this is that's heavy, and uh, I'll do my best. First of all, maybe this will make you feel better about like remove any pangs of guilt that you might uh, you might feel about abandoning the Blue Blanque Rouge. Now, of course, what would make hockey better is for the return of Legere Sival. That's what we need. We oh, need Nordique yes. to move. Get out of Phoenix already. What's with this stupidity? Orange County has a hockey team. What are the ducks? Just put them up in uh, Quebec, give them back their, uh, those gorgeous blues, and uh, let's reignite that uh, that glorious rivalry. And I bet you no matter what the, the Habs record is, you'll, you'll embrace them again. But also, before you do, keep in mind this. You know, we, we, uh, just as older curmudgeons accuse youngsters of recency bias and not caring about things that happened before they lived and everything, so, so too are those, are those curmudgeons guilty of lionizing, uh, the past and, uh, and, and, and not being sincere or not being honest with themselves about it. The 60s Celtics, um, being held when people invoke that, I know you're a fraud when you're talking NBA. You say, <laughs> don't, don't forget about Bill Russell Celtics. Hey man, there were, uh, I think there were two and a half other teams in the league when they won those titles. And, and, uh, the, the outside of, uh, Will Chamberlain and Bill Russell, the third tallest guy in the league was, uh, 5'11. Yes. Um, so, okay. So that, so stop with that nonsense. One, the, the Habs are perhaps even more guilty of this. Oh, yes. Like, yeah, they won all those cups, but they did it at the, one of the weirdest stretches. And by the way, for people, for sports fans who don't know their history, read up on, in fact, you know what? I'm going to say this, but I'm going to whisper it because I hope nobody else hears this and takes this from you. But you are a prolific author. Go write a book about the original six because that would be a book. That is such a crazy time for 25 years. It wasn't just some like weird little like weird strike season where they or some guys were off at war. So they had to cobble teams together. There were six teams total in the NHL for 25 years. and. The, the, you had negotiating rights with guys over everybody else, guys who lived within, I think it was a 50 mile radius of your city. So the, so why, wait, why did the Habs win all those cups and the Leafs got some and the Wings got some, but boy, the Rangers and Bruins and, uh, uh, Blackhawks were, uh, could never break through. What was that about? Because the Habs had all the players who were playing hockey in the area and they signed them all. It was, yeah. a, it, 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 on one level, it would be awesome if, <laughs> to see like, what if for five years we just decided as a society, yes, you can only play for your hometown. Uh, let's see who has the best hometown in sports. It's kind of like League of Leagues brought to life, actually. Um, I like it. But short of that, because <laughs> I think there might be some lengthy paperwork to get done before that actually comes to pass. Um, at least recognize how ridiculous that is. You know, the Habs is, oh, the Yankees and the Packers. And, and by the way, the Packers were also in an NFL with, uh, for half of their titles were also in a league that had, uh, I think 10 teams in it. These, you know, yeah, I guess if you drafted the right guy before free agency, if you had one really special guy, you, you had a chance of winning a whole bunch of championships 
and your professional sport. We have to wash all that away. So, okay. So now, wait, you're, you're from Montreal and you're not a fan of Blue Blanque Rouge? Your response is, yeah, I'm a fan of justice. And there was no justice when they were winning all those cups. And then Patty Waugh came to town and he stole a cup and, uh, or maybe two. Two. And, uh, and, and that's that. I, I'm going to expand my horizons. What I will tell you is your eye will need some adjustment if you haven't watched, uh, the NHL since the 20th century because, and I talked to, I'm going to name drop here because I like to name drop and also because it's relevant to this conversation. <laughs> I interviewed, uh, a few months back, Sidney Crosby Ooh. and Phil Kessel. Ooh. Um, it was, it was, uh, I mean, it was magical. It was, it was wonderful, but, um, they both said and lamented, in fact, Phil Kessel's been around a little bit longer than yeah. people realize. I think he's in his 11th year or something like that, but you know, Crosby's been around for a minute himself. At this point, and they both say the same thing, that the game is so much harder than what it was for, like, Phil Kessel said, you know, you could make it in the league when I first got here if you were a mucker, if you, you know, you were no strong and you were willing no to, yeah. to really commit to the four check. You could carve out a place for yourself on a fourth line in the NHL. He said now, and they both said, everybody can skate and the defensemen can all skate. Mm-hmm. And in a way... It's sort of the same reason why the press no longer works. A full court press, it doesn't work in the NBA because the guys are too good around it. And the NBA, I mean, the NHL weirdly kind of suffers if you really marveled in the 80s at some of the point totals you were seeing and the special players. There's just not much evidence of guys scoring, even the best uh, goal scorers in the league snapping it off from the top of the circle clean anymore it's all about how much you can uh muddle things the the vision for the for the goalie and 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 all that speed uh has negated the individual greatness out there i think that kind of makes sense um if you think it through if you can't if the defenseman in lemieux's age were mostly pylons who he could embarrass by pulling the puck in and out of their legs on his way around them before he shamed the goalie. If the defensemen can all meet him and, and get a stick out and not only are they fast, they are also bigger and those extra yes. two or three inches as they extend their stick out to try and block a shot is just enough to deflect every puck. So every goal or 80 or 90% of the goals seem to come from like five feet and in now. And so it's vaguely unsatisfying, but you have to you have to settle on the distinct talent that's out there. There the 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 biggest difference out there are those are the gigantic great skating defensemen. That's something you can set, uh, sit back and marvel at. And the reason that you're not a Habs fan, you can tell your uh, pals up there is because you had one in Montreal and they yep. traded him away and you refused to support that. He plays in Nashville now. Yep. Connor McDavid by the way is I think the most talented hockey player ever lived. I'm not saying the best not saying the most productive, but that big and that fast, yep. I, I just, it's, it's extraordinary. And so yep. there right. has been evolution. That's the other, that's the other thing. You're, you're absolutely right. And it's funny that, you know, what, 25 years or so ish. Yeah. 25, even 30 years ago when they were both really, uh, humming in their respective primes, you had Gretzky and Lemieux, yep. Oilers and Penguins, and the two best guys in the sport now are McDavid and Crosby, yeah. uh, Oiler and uh, Penguin. So it's uh, neat how that's worked out. And uh, and that being said, Ovechkin. People, what about uh, what about Alex Ovechkin? It it's gross that he finally got over the hump. That was a nice uh, thing to lord over him, and it and it, <laughs> it makes me concerned. 
I, 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 you know, a real rival, fine, I'll hate you. But like, I hate the Flyers. But it was nice to have when people say like, oh, are you scared of the cat? No, I laugh at them. They're, they're funny to me. They, they amuse me. Um, like clowns, but now they have a cup and now I, I, I can't enjoy that as much. It makes me afraid that, uh, now the Bengals are going to get a cup that are going to get a Lombardi. If that happens, then what? Then, then I have nothing to laugh at and condescend about. Well, and it feels like, and we can end on this, but it feels like we're in that era, right? The Cubs won, the Astros yep. won, the Eagles won, the Capitals won. Yeah, I mean, I know it's all happening. It's all. I think the Bengals, way. the Bengals are the last. Maybe the Bengals are the last frontier, followed by the return of the Montreal Expos, and then they win. That's the only. Other I know. Thing I listen, I love, I love the Stanley Cup. It's, it, 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 but I liked it better when it was a more exclusive club. Yes, the name Lemieux deserved to be etched into that cup, but it's been sullied since words like lightning. And, uh, and Claude Lemieux and yes. words like that have been, have been etched into there. Now they're not allowed to take them off. And now I, I don't enjoy it as much anymore. And shame the devil if, uh, if I, if Vontez Perfect ever is standing up on a podium oh, in God. early February, uh, lifting that silver, silver Lombardi trophy over his right, head. Right. Or Jameis Winston, which is why we have to root for the Fitz Magic. And now we've brought it back full circle. Very um, nice, very nice. Thank you, Mr. Damashek. What, what a pleasure it is to talk to you. Aside from podcasts, I need to uh, connect with you more often because you are really one of my, not just one of my favorite people in the industry, one of my favorite people, full stop. And uh, always a delight. You make me laugh more than like anybody I know, and I really appreciate your time. Thank you, sir. Ah, uh, what a mensch you are. You're the best. Uh, glad to hear things are going so well for you up there in uh, French Canada. And I, uh, that's another thing I continue to actually marvel at. That, uh, cause I just had a guy here in Los Angeles who just moved from, uh, from Quebec to LA mm-hmm. and, uh, I, I just was struck by his accent and it's a me, it's so crazy that, <laughs> that, that right here in this continent that there's just like it, there's France is right in the middle of yes. Canada, right? Is that, am I seeing that right? There's just like a European, <laughs> it's just, there's just a European place just stuck, stuck right there somewhere between uh, Nova Scotia and, uh, and Toronto. All the more reason for you to come next summer and to visit this magical place. It's, uh, oh, it's quite, I want to do it. I want to. Everybody says that. Everybody says the, with, with the possible exception of places in British Columbia, people say the 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 greatest uh, or uh, people say the best town overall in North America might be Montreal, but uh, one of the most beautiful as well. Well, sir, thank you again, and uh, we will check out all your work on the NFL Network, uh, which is always a lot of fun. And I will actually be knowledgeable when I actually tune in uh, to all the good stuff that you do, because I'm watching I, football now, so there you go. I already told you. I already told you. No one knows anything, so you know as much as everybody <laughs> already. No, there's not. I mean, you might know you might know words and some numbers, but you can't add them up to make a cogent point about any of it because none of it uh, makes any sense when you look at it at the end. The only thing you need to know is Tom Brady seems to uh, go far in the playoffs every year. Go with that, and everything else is uh, uh, up for grabs. I will tell you one more thing though. Please. Uh, when you mention the NFL stuff, I think you'll like this news, Jonah Carey. I don't know if you've noticed it, but uh, a show called Daves of Thunder is back in... Uh, in I have one. heard tale of this. Tell me briefly mm-hmm. about Daves of Thunder returning. Yeah, me and uh, David Feeney got going again after a seven-year hiatus. We're back now. Track it down wherever you listen to your uh, podcasts. It's uh, it's It really is funny as ever, and it has nothing to do with me. I would be... Um, 
uh, obnoxious to say, but I, I can concede that, uh, the humor is not owed to me. David Feeney and, uh, and, uh, the conversations we have on there are, are really very funny. And, uh, and I encourage you, Nate Demand, you go and check it out. Excellent. We shall. And thank you again. Sir.